Welcome to Box to Box Football. All right, welcome to Box to Box Football. Another big weekend of action. If you were a uh, football fan of all kinds, college, pro, European, whatever football you call it, there was a big weekend uh, around the world. And, you know, obviously, you know, we have some people listening in England and as the NFL is getting bigger over there, obviously the the footy is getting big over here. So uh, we got – is Sam still – is he in a red card again? (laughs) Uh Still suspended. Still Uh, suspended. His his, uh, (laughs) suspension was overturned. I guess he's out again. So uh, we got Stu, JJ, and K. JJ and KJ, what do, what do we got today, folks? Yeah, they, uh, you forgot about the FIBA World Cup too that just ended uh, mm-hmm. over in the in the Philippines, uh, one by one by Germany for the uh, for the first time. Uh, but we had an international break, which meant we still had uh, soccer action. Um, so we just kind of want to jump into some of those stuff. We're actually going to start here in the United States, where the second tenure of Greg Berhalter got underway with a 3-0 friendly win over Uzbekistan uh, uh, the other day in St. Louis. And not a great performance by the U.S. It started well. First 10 minutes, Tim Weah uh, of Juventus scores a goal um, after a, a great uh, assist from his club teammate Weston McKinney. Uh And then it was kind of just sort of lackluster and listless the rest of the way. Uh, sloppy with the ball. Um, although the U.S. then did grab two stoppage time goals uh, in, in the second half, Ricardo Pepe uh, and then Christian Pulisic from the spot to make up a 3-0 win. But I, I think it brings about the broader discussion of you know, the Greg Berhalter being back. He got the U.S. out of the group uh, with, with England in the World Cup. They finished second, lost to the Netherlands in the uh, in the round of 16, a game where I thought I thought they did some good things in that game. Uh, but were ultimately, I think, undone by a, by a lack of a cutting edge in the box, and then they fell asleep a couple times uh, defensively. But, it, but what it does is it leads to that bigger question of Berhalter bringing back, coming back, uh, a coach coming back for a second cycle. Uh, you had the whole thing with with the Reina family, which was a total circus. Um, just, just JJ, your thoughts on, on, first of all, bringing that particular coach back and how they arrived at him. I think it's a good time to kind of have that, that discussion as we have some downtime in the, the international window. So I'm always been a believer on the international side that one cycle is enough for any national team coach. I mean, you could even say for a coach that's won a major tournament, if it's not, I guess, a World Cup, if it's a European or any sort of continental championship, okay, maybe you hang it around. But they usually kind of just say every cycle you bring in a new coach. And it, even if it is just someone with some fresh ideas, that's really all it is. And Look, the track record in U.S. soccer history is not spectacular. When you bring back a coach for a second consecutive cycle, it actually usually turns out to be pretty sour. If we just look at the last 25 years or so, so you had Bruce Arena in 2002, comes back for the 06 cycle. I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, USA finished dead last in that tournament in terms of their like their final positioning or their thereabouts. I know they had they a point. Not, they didn't get out of Italy. the group. Yeah, they had a point against Italy, yeah. and then they got knocked out. Re- regardless, futile. Yeah. It was absolutely futile. So you bring in Bob Bradley, uh, turn the page. Obviously, had that run in the now defunct. What is it? The um, uh, Confederations. Continental Confederations, Confederations Cup. Yeah, very. Cup. Yeah, they had um, two 0 lead against Brazil yeah. in that final. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a glorified friendly tournament, but still at least got the program on the right path. 
then got out of the group in the 2010 World Cup. Okay, great. Then 2014 rolls around. You bring Klinsman into the the fray. Same thing. Got out of the group, brought in all of his German-Americans, not so American, mostly German. Then you try and recycle that back for 2018, and that's where things really went wrong. You try to bring in uh, our version of Big Sam, as in Bruce Arena (laughs) once again. Didn't work out. That set the program back, but also Dave Sarakin may have revived the program in that 2018 calendar year because he basically unearthed all this crop of current U.S. players and gave them opportunities because the U.S. then turned to be that team that everybody wanted to play in the buildup to the World Cup. So you had all these young players coming through. Fantastic. Greg Berhalter comes in. Again, it's just it, it's more of the same. I know there's going to be <laughs> – we could spend multiple shows Just. about U.S. soccer and where their expectations should be. End all, be all. They make world championships. They put themselves in a position to win. Ultimately, they haven't. But you should just move on. The whole – this whole reign of family saga is just <laughs> redonkulous, to say the least. There's just so many decades of unaired laundry that just went into the public frame, public sphere for however many months. The U.S. could have easily have used this opportunity. Not that it gave them the out, but it could have used to say, okay, while we're dealing with this, you know – Greg Berhalter might be in the picture down the road. He may even be, could have been, not anymore, but could have been the head coach for the Olympic team because, hey, you have a coach with experience in a major competition. Let's have him develop the next crop at the Olympics. They don't go that way. They bring him back. I don't know. For me right now, I'm kind of in one of those phases of the major tournaments were the summer. He wasn't involved. The next time you really see him in some sort of a quote-unquote competitive game is in November, which is these pseudo Nations League quarterfinal home and away slash Copa America qualifying phase. Everything is ridiculous, but that's when I'll really start to judge what he's going to bring to the table for this next cycle. Yes, dude, what should be the expectation this next cycle? The expectation definitely should be um, another – you know, going another round in the World Cup, I would say. I mean, you got to the round of 16 against the Netherlands this time around. It could be better than that. And I think the expectation should be better than that. Now, do I think this is a, a country that has a chance to win a World Cup? Probably not. I think that'd be a little naive to to think that. But you never know, right? And that there's talent here. It's probably the most talent we've ever seen. So to keep Burhalter for me, is a, a missed opportunity. Because it's just it's it's never I don't think under him, I don't think it's ever going to get to a point where they can can compete for a World Cup or anything substantial uh, from that regard. So it's it stinks, in my opinion. I think they should have, you know, gone in a different direction and we'll we'll see what happens. We'll support them and we'll hopefully in 2026 and in all the tournaments they play between now and then they, they will have success. But I just think it's a missed opportunity. Yeah, and I guess one of the things you also – I thought with the whole Reynas family situation, it was an opportunity, I thought, to, to get away from Burhalter. Like, I, I had just thought that he had taken the, the program as far as he could. Like, okay, he got out of a, 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 a group at the World Cup, um, and, and they – okay, they lost to the Netherlands. There's no there's no shame in that. I just thought that, that was as far as he could take them, and they had an opportunity with a young, talented, likable group of players – 
to bring in a new coach with with fresh ideas who could maybe move them forward because I think the expectation with a World Cup on your home soil should be semifinals. They should be aiming to try and get to a semifinal on home soil, and they have talented players. Where I think if if everything breaks right. Um, there's no reason why they can't do that. But I know there are major concerns about the coach. If you turn on social media, all it is 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 negative comments about, about the coach. And, uh, you know, and I, I don't know how the players feel about the coach. Uh, it, it seems like they like him, and that's certainly important. It seemed like the players, Sean, uh, like this coach. How, how important is that, though, at the national team level? Um, you know, I think it, I think it matters a little bit, you know, because you're not together all the time. You you know what I'm saying? Like only with, with them for a few, you know, a week here or two weeks there at a time. And it's important because, you know, these people, you know, they're, they're all multimillionaires. So like, I mean, to be honest, like if they don't really want the coach, they'll just say, look, get somebody else. And you know, the, the, the players will probably win, but I mean, you know, they're, 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 I think they're familiar with them. You know, that was probably one of the things, you know, sometimes the problem is though, is that, you know, if the, if the players are like really like a guy, sometimes it just means maybe he's a little too soft or maybe he's a little too, lets him get away with stuff or, or something like this. So, you know, you, you have to take that into account. I mean, I don't know. It's, I don't know how much it's going to matter at the end of the day. I mean, you know, they're never, you know, they're not, you know, what's their ceiling, you know, in the World Cup in 2026, you know, they're not better than France. They're not, you know, I don't know what their ceiling is. Maybe quarterfinal. You know, if hoping, they get, yeah, I, hope, I hope, you know, I think sem- semifinals, if things break right. Like I, it's, you know, you got to have I some things. Have, I mean, going. I think you have to get like a really, really, really good draw and stuff. I mean, you know, but yeah, it's, I, I don't know who, who, who else would you like, it's probably it shouldn't have been that guy, but you know I don't know. Just I don't I know. Mean, who else. I mean, it seemed like right. I mean Jesse, obviously Jesse Marsh because he had just been fired by yeah, Leipzig. But, then that's, but then that's a guy. But but JJ, that's a guy who just got fired by Leipzig. Just got fired at, at Leeds, and it just failed at his last two jobs. Right. The only reason I shake my head is because he outright said he does not want to work in a national team setting. He only wants to work club. Um, but there is an allure, look, I think, to coaching your your home country in in a home World Cup. To me, I mean, club football is always bigger. Like to me, I you know I understand. Like I, I but like you know, some of these guys don't want to coach national teams. They just have no interest. Jose Mourinho has been offered a job a million times. Pep, all these guys. I mean, Carlo Ancelotti is going to take the Brazil job now after he's won everything there is to win. So, yeah, and I know uh, Patrick Vieira was was also link there as well so yeah go ahead jj oh i mean look international football is so different than the club as sean said it's you have to have a different mentality because of a national team head coach of the 100 percent of your job 90 something percent of it is scouting whether that's scouting your own pool scouting your own opposition scouting your best 11 to find the right style of play that works best and guess what we learned out with Greg Berhalter that they played a style that you see a lot from club teams but you it's kind of hard to have it work out when you come together for a short term tournament I mean 
again, we can literally go about this for hours. I know Mike Samsel's probably rolling in his you know suspended grave right now wherever <laughs> he is because he's he doesn't want us to talk about this at least at length. But like it's it's a conundrum. Like you offered me the question of if I had the opportunity to coach the the national team in the U.S. Of course, I'd say yes. Yes. But that's also me sitting in a basement. Like I'm. It's just. It's so different than a club atmosphere. I mean, again, as I said earlier, my next determination will be a home and home against opponent to be determined to get into a Copa America that the U.S. is going to host. But you can watch them against Oman on uh, Tuesday night in that uh, in that final friendly before the players head back to their clubs. Um, and I, I do want to transition here to the uh, UEFA Europe European Championship qualifying. I'll get it out, guys. Um, a- anything stand out to you from the from the latest round of games there? Uh, Scotland with another win, 15 points. They're, they're clear of that group. They're clear nine points of Spain, although Spain has two games in hand there. I think certainly, uh, I know we talked a little bit about it on, on a previous pod, but that would seem like the one that, that stands out the way uh, Scotland is going. 12 goals scored, just one against, five wins out of five. Um, you know, big, big uh, qualifying round here from them. Yeah, England stinks. Southgate has no – Southgate's done. I mean, they, those guys are – there's already these kind of hit pieces coming out about, you know, had to have the flair players kind of uh, outgrown Southgate. I saw that story today. They, they had a perfect opportunity to get rid of him after the World Cup, and they blew it. They didn't. They stuck with him for too long. He shouldn't – Look, let's be honest. They should have won the Euros. They're the better team. They had a better squad. They didn't. He, they they they're not going to win with him as a coach. They they need someone better. Uh, but I thought that was interesting. Portugal won nine nothing today against Luxembourg. But uh, you know that's whatever. But you know some of these games. You know Scotland once again. I thought the Netherlands played well. Denmark got a huge huge win. I mean. Finland was three minutes away from drawing that and staying top of the group. And Rasmus Hoyland came up with a, with a monster, monster goal. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, I think, you know, you'll start to see over the next, you know, three, four match days, you know, there were some really good stories in there, but a lot of these, you know, the cream will rise to the top kind of stuff here at the, over the next three or four match days. I think when the, when the, uh, you know, when these teams need to win, I think they're going to to make sure they get into those Euros. Yeah, that was a 1-1 draw England had with Ukraine. Uh, Zinchenko gave the Ukrainians the lead in the 26th minute. Kyle Walker uh, equalized in the in the 41st. Uh, Ukraine only had two shots in that game. Uh, one of them, of course, uh, went in the goal. That group, interesting, actually. Uh, England is on top of that group with 13 points. Now, England's played five matches, so played more than everybody else. Uh, Ukraine on seven points. Italy. Just uh, four points from three matches. The Italians struggling a little bit again. Uh, North Macedonia has also got four points. And then uh, Malta bringing up, up the rear. But, but JJ, you, you look at that group, uh, and obviously England's on top of it. But Italy, again, uh, struggling a little bit here. What is it about North Macedonia and Italy yeah. being in the same <laughs> area and all of a sudden everything just goes to pop for Italy? I mean, England are basically already in the competition in the euro championships the finals next year so southgate has opportunities we will touch on before we get out of this i want to talk about that england scotland match tomorrow because that is fascinating but um yeah i mean italy still very much in transitional phase i i I guess 
they seem to can't qualify for a World Cup. Uh, just it's a strange one. I've got a few other ones, Kyle, that I want. I do want to yeah. go over actually. Uh, first off, um, for me, I know we kind of and there's a lot of laughing going on at Luxembourg right now for getting pummeled by Portugal nine <laughs> nil. Let's think about this though for a second. Luxembourg in a go- in a group with Portugal, Slovakia, Bosnia, Iceland, and Liechtenstein, which of that group, the other five teams, four of them have been to the World Cup in the last few cycles. Luxembourg sits third in that group, a country with about 600,000 people, and the radius, which is, what, the size of Rhode Island? Yeah. Something along those lines. They are hanging with limited footballing resources, by the way, in comparison to some of the powers. They are still alive for a European championship spot. So I'm not going to hear it about any slander <laughs> for the Luxembourgians. Um, uh, minus nine I... goal differential. So they took they took a beating there, though. Okay, but, but guess you're, what? But you're, but guess you're what? right. They're, they're, they're right there. Like Two match days. They're three points off Slovakia. Not hearing it. Uh, Kosovo took points off Switzerland, which is impressive. Uh, the Swiss, who are leading Group I right now, but... Romania, two points back. Israel, one point back. That's going to be a fascinating race. Remember, by the way, for those that forget, of all the groups, it's the top two that go directly. And then you're going to have the playoffs, which involve the backdoor route if you won your Nations League group. So things Spain, get... Spain, Spain. Yeah, it could get really <laughs> crazy. Group H, you've got four teams separated by a point. Slovenia, Denmark at 13. Finland and Kazakhstan with 12. Again, countries that we don't often talk about they're in it um i think there was one other one that i wanted oh yeah group e could be the craziest one of them all because sitting in fourth out of fifth in a group that involves albania czechia moldova and faroe islands portugal excuse me poland poland Lewandowski <laughs> might not make a major competition and albania leads it Albania is actually close. If they could pick up one more result and have a few others go their way, they'll qualify with two matches to spare. We talked about this the other day. I mean, this is a direct result of the Nations League in Europe because it gave all those teams, the lower teams, a chance to not get pummeled all the time. And they just played all the teams around them. And they got these teams are getting better and better. And then they go up to that C group where sometimes a turkey comes down. And then they get better and better. You're playing games. You're playing competitive games. Instead of losing 6-0 or whatever, getting pummeled 9 nothing. you're playing games where, you know, it's a game 3-2 or 2-1 or one nothing. You're in the game even if you're losing. And now this has elevated the whole of Europe. And now, I mean, it's to the point where these teams, Nations League C, you know, there's – that's, you know, however many groups down in Europe, however many teams down in Europe is probably more competitive than almost any other group in Confederation now because they did this. And now you can see this in this Euro qualifying. These games, there's there's not a lot of easy games. Yeah, Sean, it's about like teams in the, that C tier. It's like teams 29 to 40 something. But you're right. I mean, now people were laughing at it a couple of phases ago saying that a 24-team European championship would be too much. I'd take that. 
like I think all those games now are going to be uber competitive and you're going to have more teams, as you rightly said, who are getting better and better utilizing those resources. I know at the top level, there's been a lot of talk that it's just overwork on the players. And I'm 100% on that. I think there are a lot of players that are just getting overworked, but it is those second quote unquote tier teams that are benefiting from this. And by the way, Given another cycle, we're going to start seeing this in CONCACAF because you got a lot of the small Caribbean islands that are now having to take serious in the sense of like how they recruit their players. And you might have a team like, I don't know, Curacao, who were kind of close in previous World Cup qualifying. They could be in a octagonal, hexagonal, if we're going to go there. But they're they're going to be whatever they're doing this time. yeah. Yeah. They'll be there. Stu, and there is a team that is not qualifying for Euros because it is the host, so it is doesn't have to go through the qualifying process. But, oh, boy, Germany oh. Uh, just sacked Hansi Flick after a 4-1 loss to Japan. Germany just one win in six games in 2023. That was a friendly against Peru. Since then, winless in five, a 3-2 loss to Belgium, a 3-3 with Ukraine, 1-0 loss to Poland, 2-0 loss to Colombia, and then 4-1 loss to to Japan uh, during this break. Hansi Flick is out. Maybe Nagelsmann is the guy who's going to replace him. But, boy, uh, that does not look good for Germany as they get ready to host the Euros. Yeah, they're hosting it. It's just – it's ugly. And to lose 4-1 to one to Japan, that's – I mean, Japan has a couple of decent players, but let's be real. If you're Germany, you Japan is not a team you should be losing 4-1 to. One to. Not at all. Yeah, and honestly, I watched some of that. It could, it could have been worse. They could have given up five or six goals, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, Hansi Flick wasn't the guy that's clear. It'll probably be Nagelsmann. I know, I know their dream is Klopp. I don't think at this stage that's going to happen. I think maybe that might be Klopp's next move in why? a year or two. If I was Klopp, why would you? They're old. This this is old. This cycle's over. I mean, they did this. They were terrible at the Euros in 2000, and they did this whole reset to set the thing back for the 2006. There's, there's books written about it. The 2006, you know, the World Cup that they hosted, they did this whole grassroots thing. They came through. They did really well. They won a World Cup in 2014. It's they, they old, old. They got older. They got older. This team is old. They have to reboot the whole system again. If you, it'd be, you'd be crazy to take this team if you're a clock now. You, if you're a clock, you, you're better off taking. I don't even know. You can't take the job now. You got to take it after Nagelsmann bl- messes it up, probably. Don't think it's a good idea to to put your faith in Kai Havertz to uh, lead you to oh. a, a World Cup. <laughs> it's just like it, it just look. That, that, this is that's the most interesting thing though about these these teams. I mean, when you look, I mean, you know, Portugal obviously Ronaldo, but you know, the, the, this team is kind of starting to. You see, Gonzalo Ramirez, Ramos had some goals. You know, there's some good players. Obviously, Bruno had a goal and three assists. There's good players, and you, you know France is France is two teams deep, three teams deep. Uh, you know Italy struggles a little bit to to find this next group. Germany, I think, is going to struggle to find this next group. England has some good. Belgium is a perfect example. They're the number one team in the world for so long. They got to a semifinal, and it was, I mean, that game between them and France was. You know, a coin flip either way, and the winner. If Belgium wins that, Belgium wins the World Cup. They beat Croatia, hundred percent. 
you know, but France did and France won the World Cup. So, you know, they have to reboot. It's they're getting old. It's just really interesting to see these teams, you know, as they re- Germany's a mess. I mean, I, I they're just old. You know, they, they, they're they not, you know, they're calling, we saw this before the World Cup, they started calling in players from like some of these team, you know, Union Berlin, not not taking anyway from Union Berlin, but you know, come on, you know, the, the team was, the spine was always Bayern and, and um, um, you know, Dortmund, some of these other teams. And now, you know, since Bayern's been done, Bayern and Dortmund were the two best teams in the world. In the early part, right before the World Cup, if you remember, they played a Champions League final, you know, six months or tw- you know a year before the World Cup, and then all of a sudden, you know, Germany won the World Cup. It was no coincidence. So you know, now you see Bayern struggling a little bit. You see, you know, Dortmund's you know really a shell of what they were. So it's just crazy. I, you know, if I, 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 they have to reboot. I mean, they're good at it. They'll find a way, but they need to kind of redo this whole thing. And I think that's, you know, sometimes uh, when you see what the USA does, I know they model it on that Germany thing. Yeah, well, it's funny that you say that. So I just did a little bit of quick research uh, about this current era of Germany. You go, if you kind of emulate the model of what they did after 2000 and you look at what currently is going on with the youth set up there. So you're looking pretty much right now, what? Euros are next year, but you're looking really more towards success at the next World Cup. So three years from now, you're looking at the crop that's either developing the under 21s, the other 19s or the under 17s. Germany under 17s just won the Euros and qualified for uh, the under 17 men's World Cup. My thing is, why not have the head coach or at least someone involved with either the under 19s or under 17s? Follow that group up. We often see it enough in age group sports with uh, with in America, right? Not to say that it's a great comparison, but if you want to have a coach that knows the best out of the current crop of players at a youth level, why not have them follow it up? Keep them going up the ladder and then eventually be the head coach of the senior national team because then at that point they would have molded those players under a certain system. And there's not going to be a need for all of a sudden, oh, right, now we have a, a, a new crop of 30-some-odd players and we have to have them figure it out at some point, right? Or you could have a system that's already established under a coach of the players. No, you don't have to like them, get along with them. They just have to have the respect of that coach, and clearly it's enough so in Germany is under 17, so they won their European championships. Could be said about the same thing with the U.S. as well, but that's another point. Uh, there were all, there were World Cup qualifiers since we're just kind of on on the topic played in South America uh, that got underway uh, this week. Uh, they'll they'll finish up that second match day uh, on Tuesday, so you'll probably be listening to this and, and the games will be that night. Uh, but Leo Messi scored another great free kick to get Argentina three points against Ecuador. He just keeps doing it and doing it and doing it. He's going to play in another World Cup, by the way. He's he's planning on playing definitely. in, in twenty twenty six in the U.S. Uh, just uh, uh, Brazil 5-1 over Bolivia, uh, Uruguay 3-1 over Chile, Colombia 1-0 over Venezuela, Paraguay and Peru a scoreless draw. Just a note, Ecuador was uh, docked three points uh, for the uh, use of, I don't know if it's a legal player, or they, uh, they, they fudged some documents there on a player uh, during the last cycle. So they got docked three points uh, this go-round. Um, I always find the South American qualifiers um, – 
fascinating because it's like this full league format, right? Where you got to play everybody home and away. Uh, and it's just an all out, all, you know, an all out battle uh, every single night. These are tough places to play. Uh, you know, you got to, if you got to go on the road to Ecuador at, at a high elevation, it's, it's very difficult. It's tough to go to Venezuela. It's tough to go to Colombia, uh, Paraguay, Peru. Um, so I'm always fascinated by those South American qualifiers. Yeah, you're right. And I guess I wish we kind of, we here in America had a little bit more coverage of that. I know if you go into certain channels, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, it's still pay-per-view or at least like you have to buy a package to watch it. It used to be on being sport and we're not advertising or promoting anybody just trying to go get the clarification, but you're right. I mean, if you want the true test of a world cup qualifying circuit it's an 18 match format usually two plus years long if you qualify from south america you darn well earned it um that brazil match by the way i mean it's so funny that we always talk about how they can pull up so many options they can go as deep as what 60 70 players and still produce the same amount but that is the lineup that they had against Bolivia, there might be some guys that weren't even in the conversation two years ago and they're starting and they're contributing and will they ever win again? I don't know, but will they win Copa America next year? Possibly. Uh, by the way, uh, there is an extra spot this year because of the expanded world cups so of the top six from South America, get an automatic spot and the seventh place team goes into an in- interconfederation playoff. Uh, so there is there's more margin for error uh, this this time as well in, in South America. Um, I just wanted to, to also touch on one thing real, real quick. Paul Pogba uh, tested positive for testosterone. Um, just a, a sad career coming to a sad end for for a player. He's now at Juventus, um, who was once on his day one of the the best midfielders in the world. You remember him winning that the, that World Cup with France and. Uh, the, the way he bossed that midfield and the way he, uh, you know, had some some moments at Manchester United where he truly was one of the elite players in the world. And it's just a sad way to see that, you know, his his career, uh, you know, coming to things been some other off the field issues uh, with him. And now it culminates in a, in a positive uh, PED test. Um, so just a, just a sad, sad, you know, way for for his career to end. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a shame. Um I don't know more details than what you've already spoken about, but yeah, it's a, it's a shame. It's a, we've all, we've seen this sometimes with athletes in all sports where sometimes they surround themselves with the people that they shouldn't surround themselves and taking advice from people that they shouldn't take advice. And I'm not in Paul Pogba's shoes or his camp or anything like that, but we have seen a, a bit of a downfall of his career in the last, four years or so what could have been arguably one of the most talented and athletically gifted footballers in the world yeah you're always going to wonder what could have been with him because like you said jj the talent was always there he looked the part he just looked like a guy that would just absolutely dominate the midfield at times but just not being able to put it all together as a whole it it is a shame it is sad to see because he is a guy that you really think could have been one of the the great midfielders of our time. And it's just, it just never, it was never really put together for him. But on a lighter note, I think you sent something earlier about a, a video game that came out JJ and some, and some Ooh. rankings. The, well, the thing I took yeah. from that is wait a minute, 
FIFA soccer doesn't exist anymore. Uh, yeah, that so that's <laughs> well. So what you're referring to, I hadn't actually spoke about it yet. I did speak about the England Scotland game, so we'll close with that. Yeah, but yeah, I did put it in the group chat earlier. Um, <laughs> that first off, yes, after last year's FIFA video game, FIFA 23, FIFA and EA did not renew licenses. It is now going to be called EA Sports FC. The too long didn't read version of it is basically what EA sports is now doing is going to an individually contracted basis for licenses. So basically now they talk about the quote in the club, we are in the club. So EA sports basically went to every league and every club and said, if you want us to have you in your game, you have to sign a agreement so we can use your licenses and we see what happens. And I, so again, I don't really, play video games much anymore i love playing fifa years ago before i stopped but yeah what was released uh very very recently maybe not so much uh officially yet it was leaked but now it's gotten out everywhere so ea sports had to confirm this is they announced the top 12 ranked male and female players as most recently ea sports introduced women's players and teams uh to be used for various modes now you pretty much can use, and again, for those listening, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, use the women's teams and players for just about everything like the men's, but they've announced the men uh, and the women. So just kind of want to run over the top 11 or top 12, I should say. And, and um, yeah, it's kind of fascinating when you have an outside party literally looking at the world and make their case and have it in the public domain. So Erling Holland is the top player. Listed at 91, you have uh, KDB and Mbappe each at 91. Um, below Benzema, Courtois, Kane, Lewandowski, and Messi all on 90. Neymar, Salah, and Virgil van Dyke and Vinny Jr. all on 89. So that's your top 12 men's players. I didn't clip the women's ones. I could do that really quickly if you guys want to... Uh, let's see on the women's side briefly uh, Alexia Pateas is the number one from Spain at 91 uh, Aitana Bomanti at 90 along with Sam Kerr Karina Graham Hansen amongst others but yeah uh, what do you guys think about that list because it certainly is shaking up the landscape a little bit yeah Stu, I'll let you go the first uh, on this uh, your point on this but the first thing I want to say is this is how out of touch I feel is that I had no idea that FIFA soccer no longer existed um, because I haven't, I don't think I've played a video game since I was in, I was in college and FIFA soccer was definitely the game I played. I used to do the career mode and I used to do that thing where you would take a team from like league two in England and you would try and take them yes. all the way to the, to yeah. the Premier league. Like that's what, that, that was the thing I would, I would try to do on, on FIFA career mode. Uh, but I, I, that, I feel very old that I didn't even know FIFA didn't exist anymore. Yeah, when I first started getting into the sport about four or five years ago, one of the things I did in FIFA first was I took a, a team from League Two, Oldham Athletic, who is no longer in League Two. They're now out of the uh, you know the top four. Uh, I took them and got them all the way up to Premier League winners, Champions League winners, all that good stuff. So that that's always, the, in my opinion, the most fun thing to do in FIFA is, like you said, Kyle, take one of those League Two, League One teams and uh, bring them all the way up. Um, yeah, this list is interesting because it, I think it's the first time in like 20 years that either Messi or Ronaldo or not one or the other is not the uh, top rated player 
in the game. Ronaldo's not even on the top 12. I'm guessing he's probably somewhere in the high 80s. But, um, you know, Messi a little little back. But, yeah, Holland now kind of regarded, along with the burner and Mbappe, as the best players in the world. I think it's hard to, hard to argue those at this stage. I mean, especially Holland. I mean, the season that he had and you know, he, he should be, I think he should be the best player, the best rated player. He's just an absolute machine. Um, and you still have a lot of guys up there that, that have are probably up there because of what they've done in the past more than maybe the past calendar year, maybe guys like Benzema who, you know, is now no longer around Madrid, Neymar now at Saudi Arabia as well. So it's interesting how they kind of, it, it takes them, I feel like a year or two to kind of get off guys and kind of drop them as low as they maybe should be. But, um, but yeah, it's an interesting list. I'm, I'm intrigued by it for sure. I'm most interested by which guy will get offended by his ranking in EA Sports <laughs> FC. Oh, they all will get offended <laughs> at some point. And just for all you out there, remember, just keep this in mind. Anybody that's ranked skill-wise and their overall rating in the 50s is still so much better than you you are not someone that is in the game for a reason i was okay? doing kick i was doing a uh, uh, kicky up juggles today while i was out uh on the field at a soccer game i think i got like 18 or something i'm uh I'm, and I'm that and go. that's your overall ranking you're an 18 and i'm like a 12 <laughs> Um, before we go, JJ, I know you wanted to make a point about the England Scotland game that was that was coming up, but we kind of uh, got got sidetracked there. It's a, yeah. it's a fascinating game, especially with how well Scotland is is playing at the moment. I know it's a friendly, uh, but I don't know if there's ever such a thing when those two uh, get together. Well, first off, the reason why this match is happening as a friendly it's to celebrate that it's the 150th anniversary of this being the oldest international friendly or international fixture in the world so it's kind of cool that now we're just having this and not being for like a, a ceremonial sake because there was a period of time where scottish football was not anywhere close to where england was and scotland and england are basically now all but qualified for the euros scotland have pushed themselves to a level that not only are they gaining respect as the national team for just being at competitions, but they're a feared team at times, especially with their home record at Hamden Park. They're they're not three points guaranteed. They're a team that if you don't show up on your day, they will put you to the sword. I mean, I did watch their highlights against Cyprus. I mean, this is kind of a difficult comparison, but Scotland in years past would have struggled to get a one nil in Nicosia three nil done and dusted and literally the entire stadium was full of Scotland flags so it just shows you that they're really in this golden generation right now despite the fact that the Scottish the SPFL is not a league that is really amongst the best even in its own continent but their national team is doing wonders at the moment and I have a feeling Scotland might come through this match and knock England off. Uh, it's would, maybe not, a, not as bold be, of a take. I would not want to be an England player if I lost to Scotland. <laughs> it could happen. No, it could. It could. Um, and I, again, and I think it's, it, it goes back to kind of what, what Sean said with some of this nation league stuff, nation's league stuff is more competitive games uh, for these teams. And I think it's helped them. And I think it's great when you get, uh, somebody like a Scotland who is, you know, in a golden generation here. 
yep. uh, and, and has a chance to to really put uh, that country's footballing. Uh, I don't know if it left the map, but really back on the on the on the forefront of uh, some of the better teams in in Europe with with a young, exciting group, and and hopefully we see them at the Euros, and and you know what their fans are going to bring, right? If well, they yeah. if they qualify for a World Cup, you you know what you're going to get from the from the Scottish fans. I think uh, again, it's it's better. It's good to the environment when when they are in a tournament, and and when they're good, when they're in a tournament, if they're good, it's even better. Um, you know, I, I just think it's great that, that they've kind of found their way back there, back here. Yeah, and Hamden Park tomorrow in America, it's going to be a 245 kickoff. That is going to be at a, the brim in terms of capacity. You're, you're going to hear English fans, but it's going to be very faintly because this is going to be just as important of a fixture for that program as there's ever been one in the last 20 years, maybe. Uh, a friendly, a friendly. And name, a friendly and name only. Uh, anything else, Stu? Anything else you want to add before we we wrap up our international break? Yes, for me, uh, the one thing that I found interesting over the weekend was uh, Neymar passing Pele uh, as the all-time Brazil goal scorer. Uh, still doing it at his age. Not going to say he is as great as the legendary Pele, but. A lot of goals for Neymar, and it, they're still coming. And I think you alluded to before that there's so much talent, young and old, on that Brazil team. Neymar is uh, obviously one of them. You, you know what a stat I saw today that someone posted on Twitter? You know who has the most international assists all time? Pray tell. Landon Donovan. Right. right. Wow. Now he's going to get. Now he's going to get past here. Very, very soon by a couple of guys behind him. I saw that stat today. I think it's like 58 international assists. Um, this is, now, they haven't, now they haven't, now this goes back to when they were, you know, they had some things on there where it was like for, uh, for Pele and Puskas, it was like an, an estimated number because they weren't necessarily keeping assists uh, back when they were playing. But since they started keeping that assist, Landon Donovan has got the most assists internationally of any player. I thought go, that was go, USA. I thought, say go go USA. I thought that was fascinating, um, and, and I think that's a, that's a good one. Go go USA. Let's wrap it up with that, guys. Uh, remember, box to box football. Follow us. Um, you, you know, Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, where you get the podcasts. Uh, you know, hit the hit the bell. Give us five stars. Uh, we'll be back uh, into Premier League action this this weekend. Uh, So certainly looking forward to that. But that is a wrap on our international break. Thanks for joining in, and uh, we'll see you next time.